Our sermon text for today comes from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 25. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because to be made his... <coughs> because one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says... This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, that he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another to on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. One of the best ways to weaken the church and make it incapable of doing the work of God is to prevent it from meeting prevent the people from coming together and joining together in worship, prevent the people from coming together and praying with one another, prevent the people from coming together and hearing the word of God proclaimed. The communist government of China has figured that out. The problem that they haven't figured out is how do you stop people from being willing to die for what they believe? And so the church in China continues to grow. Even though the pastors have been arrested, the churches have been shut down, and the government says that if you are going to say anything in church, it needs to be approved by the central government. And yet the church continues to grow. Because when we understand 
that we are God's people and we have the assurance, not just the hope, but the assurance that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and that one day we are going to stand in heaven with him and he is going to judge us clean and pure and righteous. That's what drives the church. That's what keeps the church going. The understanding that even though we're in a world that is imperfect, even though we're in a world where we may be struggling because the government is punishing us as people are in a number of countries, in China and Indonesia and Malaysia and in a number of countries where the church is struggling. I read an article here recently and it said that the fastest growing Christian church in the world is in a certain country, probably the last country you would ever expect it to be, Iran. The fastest growing Christian church in the world is in Iran. Does that tell you something about the power of God to change lives? Even when the government says you're not allowed? In the Middle East, the Christian church is growing. And I think that is because that God's time is coming. As we studied the book of Revelation here about a year or two ago, and we looked at all of the things that were going to happen, and I thought, well, you know, some of these things have happened, some of these things I can understand. And then things started to change even more, and I saw more and more things from the book of Revelation are starting to happen. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back today or tomorrow. I hope. But he will come back. That is the promise of the scriptures, that Jesus is coming back again. And when he comes back, those of us who have the assurance of faith, the assurance that Jesus Christ died for our sins once and for all, will go to meet him. And we will not have to worry about all of those things that are going to happen. Now I'm starting to see more and more theologians talking about, well, are, is it going to be pre-tribulation or post-tribulation? When the Who cares? As long as I'm going, I don't care when I go. And I know I'm going. I know I have the assurance because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If we have bowed before him and we have confessed our sins, we've admitted that we without Jesus Christ are sinners and we have accepted his blood as the payment for our sins. Paul starts out in this passage talking about how the priest has to get up day after day after day 
and continue to do sacrifices. And every day the priest would give sacrifices. And they had a rotating schedule of priests. So there was priests giving sacrifices every single day because it needed to continually be done. The blood of those animals needed to continue to be given for the sins of the people. And then Jesus came. And Jesus' blood became the fulfillment of the law. Because the law says that blood sacrificed must be given for sin. So when Jesus came, his blood became the blood sacrifice that covered our sins forever. Not an everyday thing. We don't have to go back and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior every single day and go to the priest and ask for forgiveness and give a sacrifice It's been done once and for all, and we have that assurance. It's important that you understand that you have the assurance of salvation. Because if you have the assurance of salvation, you're going to live your life in a different way. If you have the assurance that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins, then you're going to live as if you're forgiven praising Jesus Christ, thanking Him for what He's done, and living to honor and glorify Him. If you only have the hope of salvation, the hope that maybe someday God will accept you, then you're continually working to try and achieve that acceptance. But that's not what we have. We don't have a hope. We have an assurance. That Jesus Christ, when he died, he died for our sins once and for all. And they're covered. That means even though we continue to sin because of our humanness, even though we continue to make wrong decisions, our sins are covered and we can go to Jesus and ask for those sins to be forgiven and he will take that sin away, and they're gone. Now, I know some people struggle with this idea that we have sins and our sins are so egregious that God couldn't possibly forgive them. There is nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. I read in an article one time, and it was by... Um, Jim Dobson's organization, so I trust what it says. And it said that before Jeffrey Dahmer was killed in prison, he became a Christian. I want you to think about that. If you can think of a more vile person than Jeffrey Dahmer. He killed people, and then he ate their bodies. That's horrible. And yet, God was willing to forgive him. So what have you done that's so bad? We need to understand that if we truly ask for forgiveness, God will forgive us. And he'll take that sin and remove it from our lives, and it's gone. 
The Bible says that it's as far as the east is from the west. Now, I haven't been able to measure that, but it's a long way. What it means is it's never coming back. And you can't have it back. We need to remember that once God takes away our sins, they're gone. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, God takes our sins and throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. That means he doesn't remember them anymore. And then he puts up a no fishing sign. So you can't go and get them back. They're gone. They don't exist. And if God doesn't remember them, why should we? That's what we need to remember. God has taken our sins and thrown them away. They're gone. They don't exist. You are made holy. You are made righteous before God by the very fact that you have knelt before God and admitted that without him you're helpless and accepted the blood of Jesus Christ in your life and now you have the assurance of salvation. That means that when Jesus comes back again, if you have done that, if you have knelt before him, if you have admitted that you're a sinner and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then when he comes back again, you will go to be with him. And it doesn't matter when he comes, but when he comes, we will meet him. And we will go to heaven to be with him. Revelation says that we're going to live in a beautiful city. We read about it in chapter 21 and 22 and all that God tells us about what's heaven going to be like. And the promise is, if we are God's people, then he is our God. That's the assurance. Don't let Satan tell you that you don't have the assurance of faith. That's why Paul talks about the helmet of salvation. Don't let Satan get in your head and tell you you're not good enough. Don't let him say, well, you made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But God is a forgiving God. And once we have agreed to become his people and make him our God, then he is at work in us. Take a look at your life. If you've been a Christian for a while, you don't do the things you used to do. You continue to grow in your faith, and that's important. You continue to live into your assurance because that's the promise of Jesus. The promise that we are his people and that he is our God. There's no place you can go. There's nothing that you can do that you can get away from God. If you are God's people, if you have accepted Jesus Christ and then 
God has accepted you through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not any government, not any evil, not any sickness or sorrow or pain or anything in all creation. It says neither heights or depths. I can tell you I've been down in the ocean a long way and God's there because I've talked to him. I know the assurance of Jesus Christ And I pray that you also know the assurance of Jesus Christ. Live as if you are God's people. Live as if Jesus Christ lives in you. And the world will see. And you will be God's people. Live in your assurance.